1: The practice of present moment awareness takes us directly into the raw experience of life in this moment now, exactly as it is. In that sense, our way out is through. Through the tough terrain we'd hoped to avoid, but with a totally different mindset and perspective than we have had before. We have practiced the perspective of egocentricity from a very young age, so have mostly come to experience ourselves as totally alone in the world trapped within ourselves, our thoughts, feelings, our past, and so on. In present-moment awareness, we can quite rapidly become aware of a silent, still, and spacious presence deep within us that is, in fact, not shaken by the storm of discomfort or pain we may feel is raging all around us. By stopping our efforts to escape, becoming still, silent, and aware of the empty space around us and within us, we can make a connection with our own innate state of pure, divine presence. That is to say, we can make a direct connection to the dimension of spirit. Practicing present moment awareness takes you directly into the reality of this present moment. So, if there is unresolved pain or trauma still within you in this moment, It stands to reason that you will face it when you become more present. But do not fear. Whatever trauma that might be revealed is no match for the disarming love and compassion and healing kindness of the gaze of presence. This is the heart of compassion that resides in the very fabric of our awareness and which can untangle the most twisted of knots. If you can sit and notice silence and space and stillness, at the very moment you are experiencing the arising of fear, pain, suffering, anxiety, panic, sadness, depression, grief, craving, despair, or any other form of troublesome human experience, then you will be presenting that human suffering directly to the heart of presence, and therefore to unconditional love. Remaining present as you move through any kind of pain will bring the light of pure love to that pain and aid your recovery from it and your passage through to a renewal and regeneration of that part of yourself. Valeria Atelli's interviews Mike Jenkins, the author of The Gift of the Present, How to Experience More Peace, Joy, and Happiness Through Present Moment Awareness. Mike began exploring spiritual practice with a voracious zeal after a diagnosis of cancer at the age of 29. In 2010, he began to experience more profound changes in his perception of himself, others, and of life, and began writing about this on a blog. He has given talks in Leicester, Yorkshire, Lancaster, London, and Brighton, recorded dozens of videos on YouTube, was interviewed on the popular Spiritual Awakening video series Buddha at the Gas Pump and has written many articles and short e-books. Mike currently hosts regular weekly and monthly present moment awareness group sessions on Zoom, offers private guided sessions for individuals, and shares articles, e-books, and MP3 meditations on his website. Meet Mike at heartofpresence.co.uk Here is the interview with Mike Jenkins.
0: In your own words, who is Mike Jenkins?
2: Well, that's an interesting question because I could answer that from the perspective of who I am on the outward level, which you know, would be a story of me. So I'm Mike, Um, I was born on the south coast of England, Um, went to school, became an actor, went to drama school, had all these life experiences, worked for a time as a professional actor, but also having to sort of temp, do temp jobs in between that kind of work. Um, And most of my early life, really in my 20s, was disrupted. You know, there was a lot of uh, mental distress and emotional distress, um, struggling to survive with money and finances. Uh, I left drama school with um, a lot of debt. <laughs> and so that part of my life at the time, you know, it was just what it was. I loved being away at drama school. I loved all the experiences I had. When I look back on it now, I see that there was a sense of being really lost, um, just lost in the story of, well, not so much a story, just lost in the reality of trying to make my way in the world so then at age 29 um, I was diagnosed with cancer and that experience led me uh, of course to sort of encounter the very real possibility of death so that brings us to the second way to (laughs) to answer that question which is um, (laughs) we don't really know you know um, I mean who am I on the ultimate level is is a very deep Cone. You know, it's a very deep question that doesn't really have an answer in words. So, the way I look at that these days, and of course, I don't say this second answer to the question to very many people because they'd, they'd think, what's he going on about? But the way I see myself these days is just this ever changing uh, expression of a complete unique individual. So, there are aspects to me that are uniquely me outgoing and friendly and kind and humorous but also um short-tempered um and um easily bored and all these things but i think that the answer to that question these days is who i am and what i am is a unique expression called mike of the same essence and source um of all life that, that we all are and it's that that um in a funny kind of way it's, it's that realization that has got me through all of those life's, life's difficulties so far.
0: How do you define spirituality these days, Mike?
2: Well, that's a tricky one. Um, I think we live in an age where language and labels and words mean so many things to so many different people. So to me, um, if I talk of spirituality, in a way I'm talking of this, you know, something that's that's not really very, not spiritual in the way that most people think of it. So so I think, you know, it, you know, on one level, spirituality might be referring to um, the aspect of di- the divine in the world, whether that's a, a, a religious expression of the divine. But through these um, experiences that I've had, what seems to me, and there are plenty of authors and great teachers um, who've, who've said this before, um, so I'm certainly quoting somebody when when they when we say that actually there isn't anything that isn't spiritual everything is god and god is everything or everything is christ and you know it's so or buddha or the the way that the dao you know so in that sense you know all of life is spiritual um it's not just the stuff that feels good so that's challenging for us as humans of course but um So that's one. So to me, life is spiritual.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Do you believe that the human experience
2: has a purpose? Um, On the outer level, you know, relatively speaking, um, yes, I believe it does. Um, I think that there probably is um, some coherent purpose for um, humanity and the planet, Um, I think you know we're all coming to realise now much more clearly that we're inextricably linked to nature. We're part of. You know the body of the world almost like individual cells in 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 the body of the planet um but also the universe um all the planets and stars and different solar systems and galaxies um but also then on the very the very you know the very m- micro level as, as individuals i think that we probably do have a purpose but i'm not so sure that it's fixed i think that it's sort of it's revealed and created in each moment almost so i think that some people can work towards what they perhaps feel is their life's purpose and seemingly you know achieve that and and and, and maybe they're maybe they're sort of on purpose if you like with with the essence of the their own um, being um but i also think a person's purpose in life can change unexpectedly and all go in different directions.
0: That sounds like fun. <laughs> when I think about intuition, that's what comes to mind. It's playful, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And sometimes we, you know, some. I think sometimes we don't, you know, we're not really sure whether we're following our purpose. But my, my sense is that um, when things kind of have a, a bit of ease to them and they kind of go with a bit more flow then I think we're probably on purpose, you know, we're we're, we're following our purpose in those moments. You know, it's interesting you mentioned intuition, because I think that I think we can feel, we can sense when things are quite right. And when they are, then things are just flowing.
0: When you talk about nature, I think about balance, that harmony and balance. What is your idea of balance? And do you connect balance to the idea of healing?
2: Yes, I do, actually. Um, um, But I also think that, um, you know, the wisdom of nature and and, and achieving that balance sometimes involves um, chaos or disruption. So in a funny kind of way, I think that's all part of it, you know, that. um, So what happened to me with with the cancer, it was like there was this collision in my body um, that could have been going on for some time. Um, so outwardly, whether that was lifestyle choices, you know, I, I used to smoke cigarettes. I, you know, I used to drink as a student, um, maybe modern diets. I certainly, you know, the mental health problems that I had in my 20s probably contributed to oxi- what's the word oxidative stress, you know, um, all of this, all of the buildup of toxins in the body. So I think that that sometimes that um, the achievement of harmony or balance um you know, comes about in ways that we don't really think of as, ha- uh, you know, harmonic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> it's harmonic, true. Yes.
2: Um, you know, <laughs> it's true. So, so um, true. <laughs> yeah, I think that it is. It's a, It's like a dance, really, isn't it? Or like a like a piece of music an orchestral music that, that sometimes it's pleasing to us. You know, I think we get a sense of harmony and balance always being sort of pleasing and enjoyable and free. But actually, sometimes it's. Um, it's not always what we want to hear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, I agree.
0: <laughs> A thousand times true. <laughs> and when it comes to this, um, another idea, which is being open to heal, to go deeper, per se, what gets in the way for most of us, Mike?
2: Well, it, it, it yeah i think it's us you know i think it's um whether we describe that as our separate self or i mean i i tend to use the term egocentricity um or you know the 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 egoic self um because you know that's really just when we forget we've forgotten you know we've forgotten that um there's an aspect of our own being that doesn't die Um, there's an aspect of our own conscious awareness that is here now that that doesn't come and go that doesn't that doesn't age that you know that it was here before any form in the universe and will remain after all the forms have gone you know even the sun when the sun dies all the planets and you know there will be the essence of pure empty pure potentiality and i think that when we reconnect with that I my sense is that that's where healing happens. so so I think you're right, you know, we've got to get ourselves out of the way in that sense um, and let go. And strangely, it's that sort of I, I think it might even be in in the Christian gospel, um you know, where in order to live, we must die. And I think that's pointing to this this notion that 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 we can experience now, you know we can die while we're alive and that's essentially what happens when we when we resonate and connect with uh emptiness or silence or stillness Mm -hmm. because i feel that it's the stillness and the death in a way it's the deathless that which in us that doesn't die that connects with a simple you know a simple um dimension of silence or space which is here in the room with us it's not actually that mystical or or um mythological yeah
0: so true. And I wonder if we can operate experience this reality from that space all the time, or we dance so we move between the ego and also the deathless, the timeless
2: us. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's the latter actually. I think it's the second um, that, that's true. I mean my understanding is that um we can't really, you know, we can't get rid of egoic consciousness. And, and actually, we don't really want to. Um, it's just that it's, um, it's not at the center. It's like all of the, the delightfulness of life comes from uniqueness. Um, you know, there, there has never been a, a, any other Valeria, and there will never, ever be a Valeria like you. You are a complete unique expression of life that's never happened before and will never ever happen again and so there's some real you know joy and beauty in that and 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 wonder and so i don't think that we you know i don't think we can as human beings um completely drop the ego but in a way it can be decentralized i think so that um we're we're more in harmony i guess um with with, with the deathless or the, the free, you know, perfect health and perfect, you know, pure abundance and all those things. But, but and so my sense is actually that it is the latter. It's a dance that, 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 that as humans, we naturally forget that and then we remember and then we forget and then we remember. And some of us, some of us are perhaps more stable in that um dance it's more more of a coordinated dance and others are, are less so. Um but I don't know, you know, I mean in the end it's a huge mystery isn't it? We mm-hmm, don't really yeah. know <laughs> That's <laughs> true, yeah. <laughs> I agree.
0: But that makes sense though. It's the conditioned, isn't it? Conditions, the conditioned body and mind. The body itself is the ego, the anchor for what we call ego. So how can we get rid of them?
2: Yeah, and we, we don't really want to and and it's of course that you know I mean, only, we could I guess yeah, we could, right, thing, Michael? <laughs> yeah, the only thing that would want to get rid of of an ego is an ego, you know. So mm, it's just sort ah. of, it, it comes in through the back door. It sort of recreates itself. It's all. It's like it's you know. It's sort of uh, you know, it's a it's another and it's a very subtle, you know, um, ego because it, it's living in. Uh, anticipation, or you know, it's living in anticipation of a better future, usually, um, or, or it's reviewing the past. You know, but in actual fact, when we just, when we're just completely freely connecting, uh, much like we're doing now, or when we're simply just looking at a chair and doing nothing else, or just walking in the street or doing the doing the dishes, in a funny kind of way, the ego is already not at the centre. It's just there when we need it.
0: What an amazing thing to even talk about these things it really amazes me that we can talk about it <laughs> there's no separation really so it's life itself communicating and there's something benevolent about it
2: yes i agree you know and i think there's there's the appearance of separation which is nice you know because i don't want to be looking i don't want to be looking at a world full of mics <laughs> but, but you know, there's the, the appearance of separation yeah. but but you're right i think that um when we connect on that from that space, then it, it's almost like, you know, a pure being recognizes itself showing up as Valeria and the pure being in Valeria recognizes itself showing up as Mike. So in that sense, you know, if you ever had that feeling when you meet someone for the first time, it usually happens face to face. And you can't put your finger on it, but you feel like you know them somehow. You've met them in a previous life or something. Um, My explanation for that is that uh, somehow the essence of you recognizes itself in the essence of them. And that's profound, I think, for um, relationships, you know, not just love and family relationships, but how humans Can better um, live together, you know, and in a funny kind of way, it's what most religions have been aiming for all these years.
0: So, recognizing life and recognizing itself out there in others, in everything, really. Yeah, that's magical. (laughs) When you think about it, even, which is part of that, anyway, of that wholeness. What is your understanding or vision, even if you have one, of liberation, of freedom, what would that look like?
2: Well, that is a good question. Um, what would liberation look like? What does freedom look like? Um, I mean, I could be tricky and say it looks like this, what's already happening. <laughs> um, but, you know, we do live, uh, we do you know our minds are capable of um, anticipating and and going back and reviewing and thinking of the future and so on. I don't know. I mean, I suppose if I think of what it looks like for me individually, um it would be a life that is where I'm engaged in work and a life and activities that are kind of more aligned to my own essence so you know, I do, I believe we all have this personal sense of, you know, there's a part of ourselves that is fixed in a way. So I don't see myself ever flying a plane or being a great scientist or, you know, um, a musician or whatever. But I've always been quite good at writing. I like writing poetry. I like speaking and performing, had the acting background. Um, And I love being with people. And and, and, um, I love this work. I love, you know, meditation and guidance of, of, of looking at um, awakened reality. So I, I think that my, my own um, version of a liberated life would be um, doing all of that, really, in a way that's, you know, um, that, that would support myself, so uh, also that it would support itself. But I think the sort of spiritual teacher's answer is this is it. You know, this is free, liberated life. Even if that is living in a sense, of, you know, living in um, outward um, difficulty or poverty, which is hard for us to accept, because in a way, if, if if life itself is free and liberated, then it's free and liberated to be all things, not just the things that us humans think of as enjoyable. <laughs>
0: mm, yes, yeah, so true.
2: Oh, so already is. We're already free. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that resonates. True. If there is something that we can call truth. Yeah. This is already it. We have heard that so many times, right, from, wow, so many teachers. I mean, almost everyone that has gone far enough, deep enough to understand, realize what this is, what we call life, that has been realized, that we are already free. And it resonates, but it's, like you said, it's really, it's unacceptable from that perspective of the egocentric self or the conditioned self. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't
2: want to excite that and of course you know what what they're pointing to there really is that that ultimately we're already free but relatively we can be in bondage or relatively we can be um sick you know there's you know so the essence or the you know the silence or the emptiness is already free but what happens within it can have the appearance of being trapped or or you know in bondage or imprisoned or all those things and so it's almost like this paradoxical thing that we have to remember in a way and reconnect with what is already free, which then has the potential to untangle those knots and, and, and break those chains. I think that's how the dynamic works It's that life itself is free to tangle itself up. But it's also free to untangle itself. But what's not, what can't untangle itself is the knot itself. The more the knot tries to untangle itself, the more knotted it becomes. But the more that it um, recognizes that it itself is made up of complete freedom, somehow, you know, metaphorically, they, we 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 um we can um, be free.
0: Oh wow, that's a beautiful metaphor for that. So the knots themselves, they are. Illusions—they don't really exist, but they do at the same time. I mean, it is ultimately a paradox. Yeah,
2: it is. Yeah, Um, and you know, it's something that we—you know—we can't really kind of make. You said it right at the beginning. You know, we can't make sense of it with our minds, but um, it's something that we can feel and experience. um, This the dimension of you know um the already free or the dimension of spirit or the dimension of um whatever we're calling it you know um you know when we connect with that then then we can see that relatively these things are um illusions but sorry so ultimately they're illusions but but relatively of course they're very real and very true to us so you know if i um cut my finger or you know, if I'm I'm in uh, physical pain, then then that's that's re- that's very real. It
0: is a feeling, a sense that is real. It is and it isn't, isn't it, Mike? It's that paradox again. We go back to it every time. How amazing. (laughs) Oh, just a moment, Mike. I
2: apologize for the noise. Oh, don't worry. Well, it's quite good, actually, because when I do my um, um, guided meditations, um, often people, including me, we want a really quiet, you know, serene, you know. But in actual fact, what's interesting about the silence itself. And it's, you know, again, because it's not it's not a mysterious thing. It's the silence that's holding these words and the sound of the lawnmower Um, is that the silence itself isn't denying or resisting that noise. It's completely allowing it. And so somehow when we recognize that the qualities that are in the silence in this room, when we recognize and we look at them, then we can come into alignment really with those same qualities because we have those qualities you know, we're also appearing out of the empty space and our words and our thoughts are, are arising out of silence and they disappear back into silence but you know we we as individuals um we we want to control those conditions and we're, we're constantly frustrated or in the sense of you know we're constantly um we meet with failure in that every time
0: yeah so the body, it's also part of that silence, which is the space that holds everything, which is incredible. But then there is, it also allows the, um, um, it has space for the rejection. So it is what some say unconditional love. Absolutely. Right, so everything, absolutely. yeah, it allows everything, even the rejection of what yes, it is. Yes, yes,
2: absolutely. And that's why I think that it's it's comforting in a way to know that there that there is something here in our own direct experience that can hold and can accept and can love all of those things that we alone can't, you know, because there's... I know I'd be... I, you know it's very clear to me that if it's just me having to deal with you know my sense of sadness or grief or loss um or, or frustration or regret or any of these human feelings loneliness you know um despair longing all of these things if it's i know that i alone can't deal i tried dealing with them all on my own and it nearly killed me you know but it's actually well, the, the great celebration and the great relief is that oh i don't actually have to do this all on my own because there's there's a part of my own um present conscious aware sense of self there's that that aspect of our own awareness if you like that aspect of our own existence it has already accepted it, the stuff that we can't, you know. And I think that's why people find comfort, really, in in some religions and comfort in God or a faith in God or a faith in something other than themselves is because it sort of, it allows us to surrender, you know, it allows us to let go and say, okay, I admit it, I I can't hold all of this. You'll have to hold it, space or God or, you know, the the doubt, whichever. And I think that that's why it's... um, it's why it has this um, healing ability, really, because we can just, we have, we finally can let go and realize that, oh, okay, I don't have to do it all on my own.
0: Because it was never the case, really. We are never alone. Yeah. It's, so in a way, it's a return, like we have heard that before. It's an unlearning, a return to, I uh, usually say merging back, like not yeah. having a life, but being life itself.
2: Yes, that's absolutely, yeah. No, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's how it is, yeah.
0: So, you wrote the book, The Gift of the Present How to Experience More Peace, Joy, and Happiness Through Present Moment Awareness. Talk to me for a moment about the main intention of writing your book, Mike.
2: So the main intention of writing that little book, and it is a very short ebook, was to just get down on paper really and capture these practices that um, that I've been sharing with people, and also that that I've been doing on my own for a long time. So essentially, um, the main intention behind writing that book, and also in leading the guided sessions is to facilitate an opportunity if you like or you know facilitate a a space or an experience so that, that that anybody can um directly recognize for themselves what's being pointed to so you know it's clear from our conversation that you've experienced this um awakening if you like or you know returning to the truth of yourself or returning to ultimate truth and the merging of um body and spirit and and and, you know lots of people have had those experiences but some people um it's really alien to them you know and for me for many years i was very lost in lost in egocentricity or lost in selfhood becoming you know um we all have that experience of you know, we we either want something outside of us to make us happy, you know, we're running towards something or we're, we're running away from things. You know, those very familiar ex- experiences that, that, we, that all humans have, even spiritual teachers have those, you know, I mean, great sages will still have those experiences, but they're not necessarily lost in them or deluded by them. So the intention really with the book and with the sessions is to really help people discover it for themselves because you know what I'm talking about in the book is not mine you know it's I can't give it to anybody but I do know that there is a way to practice if you like and the simplest way I've found is sitting with what's already here so we don't need anything special because that wherever we go there's silence and there's sounds wherever we are there is stillness and movement and wherever we are there is there are space and objects so it's a sort of way of looking at the world it's in, in a funny kind of way it's not even a practice or a method it's simply a perspective a change in perspective so one can be sitting on a train um and be hypnotized by the objects in the train or the the people and our thoughts i mean thoughts are objects as well aren't they you know we can be obsessed by all of those looking at our phone okay or we can start to look at the space and the objects appearing together and it's just like shifting our perspective like you might do in an art gallery you shift your eyes a bit or on the horizon if you're on a cliff top or a hill we can shift our perspective to what's right in front of us our hand or we can shift it to the the horizon so it's really my real intention always is to provide an opportunity a space for somebody to go Okay, I know what it is now. So that when they hear these other teachers, or they read a book that's that's pointing them towards presence or you know unconditional love, that it's not so much a mental intellectual construct, but actually they go, yes, I know that because it's a set point in my own body now. I know. You know it's almost like I. So that people can come away and go, ah, I know why that didn't go very well because I wasn't very present. Or, you know, just so it's an experience that they can, a marker almost, like a flag within their own body.
0: (laughs) It seems like a contradiction when we think about already being spiritual, already being life itself. There's nothing to really get to, no destinations. But then we have practices that you actually don't call them practices. So it kind of um, almost contradicts that. But then it goes back to what we talked earlier about the paradox, so there is something to do, and there's nothing to do. Exactly, <laughs> it's fun. Actually, it's a lot of fun. It
2: is, <laughs> but it actually, you know, I mean, a few years ago, I mean, I, I was sort of, you know, I didn't like using the word practice and method and all, that, and I struggled to, I always struggled to have any kind of regular practice um, or any sort of. I, I, I've always resisted routine in a way, but then I thought, hang on a minute actually if we think about what the word practice really means it's just what you do over and over and most of us so some people you know awaken or they have a a massive insight or they they have a real shift in their life um, because they've practiced stuff that isn't working for them so some people's practice in life is drinking too much alcohol eating too much junk food getting into the wrong relationships arguing with their family going from one job to the next or doing whatever but that's their practice. And in a way, it, it awakens them eventually, whether it's in the body or out of the body, they're free, <laughs> yeah. you know. So I think that I have no real problem with practice. And I also think as well that all the spiritual teachers and all the, in fact, anybody who's mastered anything, they have practiced, you know, they have done that. Um, even the ones who say, Oh, you know, I, you know, I don't really, I don't recommend a practice. But then if you look at the, the content of their life, they're, they're giving talks all the time, they're writing books all the time. So, in a way, they're constantly intimate anyway because they're practicing pointing at it.
0: Mm, so true, Mike. <laughs> <Isn't it? You laughs>
2: yes, know. absolutely. So, so I <laughs> yeah, think as I well, agree. You know, <laughs> my life has only really begun yeah. to sort of properly integrate these insights because of beginning to practice more regularly you know but i i think that the reason that it's quite helpful sometimes to say to people well it's not really a practice is in a way to sort of soften the resistance to it you know because there is a resistance to oh, do me when i've got to sit down at the same time every day and do this oh that's not going to fit in my life it's like well oh, well you don't have to do it that way you know but i do find that it, it in a way it's um you 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 tend to notice the people who've had the biggest sort of shifts whether that's just they've got really good in their career or um, they've had these deeper shifts. Usually they have actually, when you talk to them, they've spent a lot of time mm. doing this sort of stuff.
0: It makes sense because everything is a practice. We call it um, habits or even obsessions. How many of us do the same thing? Just repetitions, You're brushing the teeth every day. We have to, everything's a practice. I absolutely agree. So why not? making intentionally something Mm. that can not just point but open ourselves to life to the point of relaxing that part that resists right resists life itself
2: yeah it's sort of letting that you know because we we know how um powerful and you know wise and transformative the dimension of spirit is or the dimension of presence and so in a way all we're doing is more and more we're just opening up we're just letting it guide a bit we're letting its wisdom flow a bit more so in a way that's the practice um, but I just think initially people need to sort of get familiar with it you know because it is familiar and you often find people after you know a few times they've done this they have memories of how that they they were more uh, aware of that part of themselves if you like when they were little children you know because I think when we're very young we're quite connected to that free um, realm of of open-hearted you know um, consciousness.
0: True we just don't have words to express what it feels yeah, like. Yeah exactly what exactly. it is. True. So you host Zoom meetings do they happen on a specific day and time or this is something that always changes, the schedule changes?
2: So um, they do happen at the same time actually Um, so for a while I was doing them weekly um, but I've become busy with other projects in the area where I live, it's a poetry and spoken word project that I'm involved in and and my own work Um, so but at the moment um, we meet um, on the first Tuesday of every month at 7pm um, UK time. So that's actually the time that we met, wasn't it? So it would be if it was Eastern time, I think at the moment it would be 2pm Eastern time. But it's 7pm UK time and it's the first Wednesday of every month um, and that's on Zoom. So um, the way I tend to do that is ask people to register, you know, for the Zoom call. It's free to attend, I don't charge for that. Um, you know, people are welcome to make donations if they if they feel to. Um, but my intention with that really is to offer a space for people just to to, to just to come along and try it, you know, or, or be with others well. Because what I found in the in the um, lockdowns in the pandemic is that um, I, I felt that there were pe- people I certainly felt I needed to connect in this deeper way. With others, um, and when I, you know, contacted, made an announcement on on Facebook, and contacted some people from my mailing list, there was a real a real willingness to do that, and so it, it began really properly in, in twenty twenty in March twenty twenty these Zoom groups,
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah. What is your perspective on that? Is this something that has to do with the spiritual evolution, or just nature doing what it does?
2: Well, in a funny kind of way, like like I was saying before, I think the two are one and the same. Mm. Um, <laughs> yes. So, you know, so it's like, so yes. <laughs> you <know. laughs> uh, yeah. And you know, uh-huh. in a way, it's almost, it's like, in a funny kind of way, that, that this pandemic is a perfect example of a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, particularly this dance between what humans can do in and of ourselves which on the relative um level you know um on the outward level of action and creativity and things we can do a lot you know we've seen what we can do but you know i so i think that we're seeing that in a way we're seeing this dance between the wisdom of life itself which the planet is connected to nature is never really not connected to that um realm because it's it doesn't have as complex a mind then you know the mind it's not as com- well not in our understanding complex that's actually but you know um so i think that yeah i kind of think that, that it is like that that um if you like it's 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 a crisis a crisis of of life and the planet the universe and all and all us humans because we you know we are not separate from it and i almost feel a bit like the if you know, this is a big if because it's difficult. There's lots of disagreement about it, but if our activity um, on the planet uh, is detrimental to the um, to the planet itself, right, right. Um, I think that it would want to readjust itself mm. to um, achieve more equilibrium. You know,
0: that resonates. So it's almost like a call for balance, right? And Then chaos must happen. First, the destruction, like we talked, um, it has to do. So, to balance something, it has in a way, uh, it needs to destroy something that's not serving itself, and then something like that. You're right. A lot of people might disagree, but it resonates when I heard when I hear the word balance, uh, a call for balance mm. or equilibrium. Mm. It makes sense to the mind and the heart. Uh, So your website is to find information about the Zoom meetings that you host and the book that is heartofpresence.co.uk. Is that
2: correct? And it is live
0: now, right,
2: Mike? It is, yes. (laughs) Congratulations.
1: Congratulations.
2: (laughs) It was only offline actually for, for, for about 24 hours, but I've been meaning to update it since the beginning of the pandemic really. With these new things that I'm doing, so so I've, I've finally done that. It's it's not. I'm a perfectionist, like most people who make things, and so it'll it'll constantly be tweaked and things. But yeah, if anybody's interested, they can go to the website. It's heartofpresence.co.uk, and there's information on there to register for the free monthly Zoom group. And I'm also now offering some weekly Zoom meetings, and they're for people who've perhaps been along to the monthly ones for a while and would like to go a bit deeper and do something more regular. So I'm actually starting to offer weekly meetings as well um, on a Monday, a Monday morning. Um, so probably be too early for, for a lot of, you know, a lot of American friends. Um, but, um, but and, and they're available as well to book. And that's, I think, um, five pounds, five pounds, uh, a ticket for those. So, and they'll be done on, on Zoom as well. So, so that's all information on the website. Um, plus the book. I mean, the book. I should say the book was written very quickly, and I, when I get more focused, I'll write something l- longer. <laughs> <not> long.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, oh, we uh, don't have to. It's so graceful. I love writing, reading. It's almost like writing, reading is the same thing to me. So Reading your words is like writing. I'm um, writing myself. It's so so clear. I, I actually enjoy short books, or short anything. Uh, the shorter, the better. Which is interesting. We talk a lot, but. Ah, there's something about simplicity, right? That's resonates yeah, too. I
2: think so. Um, and you know, because I've read so much and done so many different approaches, um, and you know, I, I I'm relatively good with words. You know, I've I, you know, I haven't written loads of published books, but you know, writing's all I've always enjoyed writing and you know, even though I I think on some level, I might be very mildly dyslexic, but probably not very. Um, But mainly, probably because I've just written a lot, I write every day, whether it's a, you know, journal entry, or, you know, on the computer. And so, um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping, I hope that that little book um, is is clear and concise for people, because it's very easy, isn't it, for us to get over burdened and overwhelmed with different ways of uh, describing things?
0: Writing is a healing tool as well. So sometimes it happens. My first book was really long because I had so much to talk to myself about.
2: <laughs> yeah, So that was yeah. a long
0: one. But yeah, after that, and then it seems like a loss of what was not uh, clear became clear. And then my other books they became shorter and shorter and shorter,
2: <laughs> uh, so that makes sense too. <laughs> I love you busy, you've done you know, you, you've got you do so much, it's, a, it's a very impressive and great, great, um, a great example. <laughs> oh, I love this! <laughs> this is
0: my sacred hour, my sacred everything. If there's something sacred or talk about this, it's just um. It's liberating, really. <laughs> it feels incredibly good. We're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you. Would you like to read a passage in your book or add anything else, Mike, that we didn't discuss?
2: Um, uh-huh. Actually, I tell you what I wouldn't mind just, just reading um, is, is what I've just put on the website. So it's quite mm-hmm. fresh. Um, it sort of introduces this approach. So I'll read that and hopefully people will, will enjoy it. So the heart of presence is really just a metaphor um, for the dimension of your own conscious awareness. And I talk about silence and space and stillness, and all this talk of dimensions and realms, spirit and consciousness, awareness, unity, consciousness, being, presence, unconditional love, pure potentiality, and so on, to most, it just might seem like a lot of new age, pseudo self-improvement-style nonsense. But that's one reason I like to focus on what we can know and verify for ourselves right here and now. In my guided practice or guided meditation sessions, I usually begin by simply stopping and paying attention to the present reality of sounds and the silence in which the sounds are happening. From that point, we can become intimately and immediately acquainted with our own unique and direct experience of what all these words are pointing towards. We can take the same deliberate and intentional approach to observing space and objects in the space around us. A chair, a table, a lamp, a window, a tree, an airplane in the sky, the clouds, the sun, the moon, the stars, all freely appearing and disappearing in vast open empty space. The same with stillness. It may not feel like it to most of us most of the time, but there is a great deal of stillness in the world around us. Most of the objects in the room or the space around you are relatively still. When we begin to deliberately and intentionally observe that stillness, the stillness in us or the stillness from which we have our being and from which our minds and bodies move, seems to recognize and resonate with itself. So what I offer in the Heart of Presence guided practice sessions is a way for us to encounter and reconnect with the deepest aspect of our individual and our collective being by using simple, regular and very ordinary practices that can help you live more congruently and in more alignment with the unconditional love and deep, deep wisdom of life itself. In essence, we're returning to the source of our being, and it's that source of life that is the teacher and the guide. We are what we've been looking for, and the light of awakening or of enlightenment is the aware, conscious, and radically free presence of you here and now. So welcome home. (laughs) You are what you've been waiting for all along.
0: How beautiful. (laughs) <laughs> i love all that of course <laughs> uh, beautifully expressed thank you so much mike for being you no, for thank being you. open to life thank
2: you no thank you so much it's lovely to connect and thank you for the opportunity to come on to your podcast and and talk to you and and listen to the mowers. You see, they're freely, freely, mm-hmm. they're free, the mowers are free to cut the grass and you know, yeah, right. uh, beat
0: themselves. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> right. I love the way you said that earlier. Yeah, everything's part of this space, this silence. So silence welcomes everything. It's open to mm-hmm. everything. So mm. true. And then ah, even. Breathing, it flows better <laughs> when mm, we listen true. to that.
2: It's it is, it is. <laughs> it's And, and you know, it's a wisdom that most of us connect to when we need to. You know, if you're with a little child and the child is getting distressed about something, mostly, automatically, other adults will go, it's okay, never mind. And they they sort of, they model a way to be um, non-resistant about that. And usually then the child Relaxes about what it's, you know, fighting against because the adults modeling that. And so it's not so mysterious, really, but some, but it's so easy for us to forget.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's easy to forget. So true. Going mm-hmm. back to practices, right? We have been practicing quite the yeah. opposite, yeah, to resist yeah. more than to accept and be open. Yeah. And, and, and
2: including me, mm-hmm. Valeria, you know, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I always say when people come on. to to my meditations I say look you know you're not really getting guidance from me because you know I'm quite chaotic in my own life I (laughs) make mistakes all the time I don't I'm Uh, I'm not sort of saying you know do this and you'll be like me because most people be like oh I hope not (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, that's beautiful too the being humble being open that's being open so it has to do with being honest not being afraid of anything yeah yeah Uh, because
2: I think yeah you know I think so many of us look at teachers or spiritual people and they think oh well they're all right (laughs) yeah Yeah. no, actually, I'm not. You know, I I suffer with, you know, anxiety still comes and, and visits. You know, confusion, sadness, uh, all these this stuff still happens. It's just that I don't get so lost in it as as once I did.
0: Mm, yeah, and that's because the practices that you engage in, and the practices of being more open to life, that also resonates. I used to resist to practices as well, but then it makes so much sense. Yeah, what are you saying that? We have been practicing to resist. We have been practicing to being egocentric. So now, why not practice the opposite of that? I mean, both of them are our life. Everything is life itself, anyway. Why not welcome both and not just one part of us? Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. True. Before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, your books? Besides the website, are there any other outlets uh, such as YouTube and Facebook?
2: Yes. um, So I have a YouTube channel... I don't think it's got a particular name. I don't know. I, to, yeah. <laughs> but I, I am on Let YouTube um, and um, there will be uh, a link to that from the website. So I'm on YouTube and I have a Facebook page as well, which is called The Heart of Presence. Uh, I think I've got Twitter and the other things, but I don't tend to use them too much. It's just like crazy, isn't it? Having to update all these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah um so the website heart of presence.co.uk i'm on youtube and and facebook as well i think if you search for the heart of presence um uh, you'll find that on facebook um on youtube i think if you just search for mike jenkins uh, meditation you might find it that way Would usually come up wow. um yes it does
0: <laughs> thank you so much again Mike for your presence for being open to life uh, for coming from that space practicing coming from that space of <laughs> openness <laughs> and wholeness thank you so much again for who you are or
2: what you're you are you're welcome Fan. thank you Valerie it's lovely to um, lovely to chat
0: we'll talk soon bye for now Mike
2: thank you bye bye
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Mike Jenkins and his work, please visit heartofpresence.co.uk.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.